Danny Flexen, four seconds out. Delighted to be joined by a super middleweight, Zach Chelly. Zach, how you doing? Very well, thank you. How about yourself? Yeah, very good. Lots to talk about, um, not least your entry into the Boxer Tournament, um, which takes yeah. place on the 10th of November. Um, but we'll get to that in good time. But first of all, I want to take you back a little bit. You were with Frank Warren. You were being slowly mm. built up. Uh, you beat Umar Sadiq in what I think is still a memorable fight. Um, knocked him down on the way to a hard-earned eight-round points victory, especially given what he's gone on to achieve. Um, very good win. And then took the Southern Area title against Jimmy Smith. Mm. All seems to be going very well for you. Why did you step up to light heavyweight? Well, the opportunity came. I was actually I was hoping to fight for the English title straight after the Southern Era title. But um, I don't know why the Frank Warren team didn't want to give it to me. And then the opportunity came for this British title eliminator. Um, but it would be at light heavyweight. And because, I, you know, I didn't want to didn't waste time, I took it. But as the, the fight got closer to the date, I, f I figured out that my original weight is not light heavyweight. I'm originally super middleweight. On the actual day, I was around 77 kilos. And that was even before the weigh-in. I don't want to tell anyone, but I drank like a litre of water and had a huge breakfast just to make sure it looked like I was on weight. But yeah, my natural rate is super middleweight. Even though I did do the fight light heavy, I still managed to knock him out, knock him down in the second round. I still believe I won that fight, first four rounds and the last round, giving me 50-50, but Judah knocked it. But you know, that's old, that's the past. I believe I won that and now we're moving forward. Yeah, it's interesting. I think it showed, A, that you shouldn't have been up at light heavyweight, but also mm -hmm. that he should have stayed at light heavyweight. He shouldn't have dropped back down to yeah. fight Sadiq later on. It was yeah. kind of a, a very strange yeah. fight. Uh, I do believe if I fought him at super middleweight, of course, I, I would have stopped him. Because, uh, I mean, I, I dropped him while he was probably a cruiserweight on a day. Imagine if he was a super middleweight. Exactly. And you went on from there, mm -hmm. um, obviously split with uh, the Frank Warren team or contract came to an end. We can talk about that. But then you went into yeah. a fight at Fight Camp on a matchroom show yeah. against Jack Cullen vast majority of observers felt you'd done enough to win, um, clearly. And yet it was ruled a draw. Uh, how did you feel at the time? You must have been devastated. Yeah, of course, um, during the fight, I thought I won easily, clearly. In the, during even the, during the end of the fight, I was taking easy. I was thinking, you know what, I won this clearly. I won, I'm winning most of the rounds. I'd say eight out of ten rounds clearly were mine. And then when, it, when the decision came, I was, I was just shocked. I was surprised why they do this. But I'd had a thought maybe they do this because, you know, he's he's been a matchroom before. He's a huge ticket seller. They want to save him. But anyway, after the fight, I got messages from all people all around the world telling me I won from, you know, from Australia to America to even people from India telling me I won the fight. And, you know, that's what, that's what matters because it's uh, the entertainment industry. And that's what matters at the end of the day. If people think you've won, you've won. What happened with the Frank Warren situation? Was it just the contract came to an end and you didn't want to renew, or was there a split? What What's the situation? Basically, after the Cody Davis fight, my contract was coming to an end, and uh, and then after that fight, I managed to get the British Board Control to accept me to fight for the English title in November. So I put that forward to the to um to Frank Warren. He said, "Yes, we'll make that fight happen, uh, but just renew the contract." I said, "Okay." Then the, the fight came to February. They said the fight was going to happen. It never happened. They, they moved it to the next month. They never came the next month. And I was like, listen, you've been lying to me, wasting my time. Let me just go. And that was it. We just came to an end. And what's motivated you to enter into this boxer tournament? You're obviously a very successful amateur, particularly at the junior mm -hmm. level. So it's kind of harking back to that amateur format. Was that one of the attractions? Yeah, well, I'm really fit. I could do 10 rounds, but if I put all that 10 rounds in a three-round fight, I'll be, be devastating. So, yeah, that's why I'm really explosive Like when I do box. So if I put that in three rounds, yeah, it'll make a difference. 
What do you make of the field as a whole? Is there anyone you see as a bigger threat than anyone else? What, where do you see their level compared to yours? Um, there's another 22-year-old boxer. I think his name is Ben. I'd love ben to Wiley. go against him first. Yeah, just to show people. He's 22, I'm 22. But I just want to show the people what a real you know, 22 boxer can do against a normal 22-year-old. Um, but of course, I see Diego Costa. He seems people, like they say he's the one that no one wants to fight. I'd love to go against him. He seems like he comes to fight and... Uh, I love, I love other boxers who want to fight. You mentioned you're only 22. You obviously turned pro quite early on. You didn't do much as a senior amateur. By do much, I don't mean you didn't achieve much. I mean, you didn't have many fights as a senior amateur. Um, you've been through a lot as a 22-year-old boxer. You know, you've been yeah. on the wrong end of some decisions. You've split with a promoter. You've been on several different promoter shows. Do you ever kind of reflect mm. on that? Because you're still very young, but you've got that kind of experience that maybe a veteran normally has. Yeah, so I'm, I'm actually really grateful for that. I've had experience now, and uh, there's a lot of learning experience to use for my future years of boxing. You know, people last till well over their 30s in boxing, and if and I've done this already this young, so I'm looking forward to the future. And you finished uni now, right? What, how did you make out? Yeah. I did really well. Finished uh, Surrey University, my degree. Now I'm happy, I uh, could do a master's, but I'm happy not to go back full-time boxing now. Yeah. <laughs> Well, does that set you up for a career outside boxing when all this is over? Obviously, it seems silly talking about it when you're still only 22, but you've got that degree now. Yeah, well, I did have ambition. I did business management marketing and uh, did have a dream to open a restaurant uh, in, the, in the future in Soho, a nice seafood restaurant. Maybe that could come in handy. But, you know, hopefully I'd be making millions from boxing, so <laughs> wouldn't, uh, no. And are you still training with crossed, your yeah. dad, Zach Chelly Sr.? Has he getting on? He's doing really well. We're training at home every day in my living room, so it's all good. <laughs> Presumably, you go to the gym occasionally as well. Yeah, when they're sparring, go to the gym. Make sure, go make sure boxers clean their gloves before sparring. Yeah, yeah, because um, you're probably not going to show us, but you told me earlier you've got a bit of a um, an infection um, under your eye because of that very reason, that you unclean gloves. Yeah, yeah it's, it's not too bad, but you know, it's, it's healing up. should be better but on by Monday, but yeah. It's a bit of a concern, isn't it? I was saying to you off camera, especially with COVID going around, people not cleaning the gloves. I mean, mm. even when me and my friends go to our local gym, we make sure we wipe down the gloves every time after use now. Okay. Yeah, you got to make sure, especially uh, especially now the second of COVID, you're just correct, yeah. You need to make sure gloves clean. And is this a long-term relationship with Boxer? So assuming all goes well in the tournament, you'll carry on fighting on their shows or are you a free agent? What's the situation there? Well, um, since I left Frank Warren, uh, I was a free agent. And then uh, I noticed that because of Alciesta, we were signed with him. He said he offered me to fight in his tournament in Belarus. Unfortunately, that couldn't happen because the British board wouldn't let us go. And then this other opportunity came to fight in Matchroom. And we took it. And now this other opportunity came to find a BT Sports and on box tournament and I've taken it. So it's really nice actually being a free agent. I can go anywhere, even though even if uh, after this tournament, I could fight in Belarus or another one in Cold Wars or go to America and fight there. Yeah, so it's great being a free agent. Um, but yeah, if the boxing tournament does go well, I believe I should have a few more fights on BT Sports. Yeah, I know LCS is really keen to get you on one of the Cold War shows. We spoke to him last week, I think it was, and he you were his first choice out of people he hasn't had on the shows yet. Is that something that intrigues you, going out to Belarus and fighting a Russian, kind of Britain versus Russia? Yeah, I love that, especially um, in uh, and on Belarus, they have a lot of uh, good titles. They're like the IBF Junior World title or the WBC Junior World title. I love to fight for one of those, or even uh, Chudinov won Uma Sadiq for a couple of weeks ago. I mean, I know if, uh, Alciesta has good relations with him. If we could fight for the WA Golden title, I'd be happy for that. 
What did you make of Umar's fight with Tudinoff? I mean, obviously, I think the, the decision to stop it was the right one, but he gave a good account of himself. Yeah, you know, Umar did, did pretty well. He lost until the last round. Uh, respectable. But I do believe it was me in the ring. Uh, Tudinoff's uh, style does suit mine very good. I mean, he just stays and gets hit. No, you know, I love to hit, so you will. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I think a lot of fighters would relish fighting Tudinoff for that very reason. I think there is an underrated cleverness about some of his work, but I do agree that he's not the fighter he was two or three years ago. I think if someone, like, do the way George Grove stop him, because George Grove hits hard, I think I could do the same. Yeah, George Groves is someone you're often kind of compared to and linked with. Is, is that still the case, or now he's retired, do you get that a bit less? It's a bit less, yeah, of course. But, you know, I've always big respect to George Grove. When he was a world champion, I was training with him, helping him spar. I've got pictures of me as him as a kid and then me training with him. And then after after he retired, him giving me pads. So it's been a good journey with him. Well, you, I think we've said this before, but you were all born in the same hospital, weren't you? It's like you, George Groves and Joe Calzaghi. I believe so, yeah. All top super middleweights. <laughs> <laughs> it's very strange, isn't it? I don't know. Maybe there's something in the water around, around that area. <laughs> yeah, but then... Great stuff. All right, well, actually, before I let you go, because people might still not be aware, just tell people how they, how they can find you on the different social media platforms. All my social media is at Zach Shelley, so Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, just Zach Shelley. Make sure you tune in on 10th of November, Box Tournament, ITV, and BT Sports. <laughs> Great stuff. We look forward to that. And um, hopefully speak to you again after the tournament. Indeed, mate. Thank you very much. Cheers, Zach. Take care. Although uh, Lomachenko Lopez is quite rightly dominating the headlines on both sides of the Atlantic this week, I do want to ask you while we've got some time about Tyson Fury. I'm sure you're not surprised by that. He now announced he plans to fight on December the 5th in the UK uh, without Deontay Wilder in the opposite corner, at least for the time being. What's your view on that? What's the status at the moment? Well, you know, we had a contract for a, uh, a third fight. Uh, and uh, we, of course, everybody honored the contract. The contract provided uh, for the fight to be held by July. Uh, we then realized it could be, had to be postponed because of Wilder's injury for 90 days. So that would get us to October. And then we realized we'd have to have a gate. And so we suggested December 19th. And then the two networks involved, ESPN and Fox, informed us that that was suicide. They wouldn't do it because there are five or six uh, major college football championships that day, plus two professional NFL games. games. So, you, you know... You wouldn't do any pay-per-view business to speak of uh, in uh, the United States. So that was a non-starter. And earlier dates in December didn't work. And later dates, uh, you know, to go the day after Christmas is insane because uh, 
you know, most people want to celebrate Christmas with their families and who's going to get on a plane and, and travel uh, out of their uh, location uh, to watch a fight. I, you know, that was a terrible date. And the other date that uh, the Wilder people suggested was New Year's Eve, uh, December 31st. Uh, and the problem with that is, is that UFC has a pay-per-view that night and uh, ESPN uh, is committed to distribute the UFC pay-per-view. So that won't work. So when we presented all of that to Tyson and said that the only dates available was a date in late January and one in February, he said no. I am chomping at the bit. I haven't fought since the end of February. I want to fight in December. So the co-promoter, Frank, our co-promoter, Frank Warren, said that he would do uh, a Tyson Fury fight in Albert Hall uh, on uh, the 5th of December uh, and uh, will be uh, deciding on an opponent uh, very shortly. Uh, make the announcement, and uh, uh, on December 5, it's the afternoon in the United States, so no pay-per-view, but I'm sure uh, we'll make a deal with ESPN or the, the uh, streaming service ESPN Plus to show it uh, again free to the public, uh, which is great considering the economic situation here in the United States. And I assume uh, that Frank will do it on pay-per-view uh, with BT uh, in the United Kingdom. And then that'll clear the decks uh, if uh, Joshua beats Pulev the following week uh, to start talking Turkey about uh, getting uh, uh, the... Uh, uh, a Joshua Fury fight done uh, probably for the late spring uh, of next year. So Wilder Fury 3 is, is a non-starter now? That would appear to be the case, yes. And just before we let you go, can you tell us some of the people in the hat, if you like, for uh, Tyson Fury on December the 5th? Well, you can look at you, you can look at it yourself. It has to be because it has to be a title fight, it has to be one of the 15 uh, guys listed on, uh, on um, uh, the um, uh, WBC list. And uh, uh, we looked it over today, and it looked like there are three prominent candidates. Uh, there's uh, Rivas, there's Effie, uh, the Nigerian, uh, and uh, Agit. Caballo. Uh, uh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, there may be a couple of others, but essentially it has to be an opponent from that list. Excellent. Well, Bob, I know you've got other obligations, so I'm going to let you go, but have a great fight week. I know it's, you know, like riding a bicycle for you these days, but enjoy it. And uh, we look forward to the fight on Saturday. I hope everybody in the UK gets an opportunity to watch it.
the fight app is where to go to watch it and uh, they'll see a great card but a historic main event thanks bob always a pleasure take care good to you Dillian, great to see you uh, ahead of November 21st. First things first, how is camp going already? You look in tremendous shape, and I suppose part of that is you haven't had the chance to um, to blow up in between fights. You've gone straight back to the grindstone. Yeah, I had a rest. I had like about 10, 12 day rest, sit down, did nothing, ate what I want, chill out, relax. You know, I was waking up at flipping 3 o'clock in the afternoon, which is, not, which is very weird for me, but the rest was needed, obviously. It wasn't a hard fight, it wasn't a tough fight, you know, but obviously um, my medical team told me I needed to rest and just relax, let my body go for a bit and I did that. Then I went back into training moderately and then now the last two weeks I've been just set up in the training, you know. Um, we just train at the minute, another few more weeks and we start sparring again, but for now we just, just train and work on the physical side of stuff and, and that's it really, that's all we need to work on really. It's not like, we need to recommend it and this and no, nothing, you know, just so just keep ticking over and just come in with a bit more zest, as they say. You mentioned your medical team there. It is important to address that. Rather than taking a prolonged time off, you have gone straight back in. So there have been people that have said, is it too soon? Are you mentally and physically in the right shape to get jump straight back in so soon? What would you say to those people? Everyone's different. You know, everyone's different. You know, everyone's different. I didn't get beat up. It wasn't a fight that I got beat round after round. This is a fight, it's heavyweight boxing, you know what I mean? I knocked him down twice. I got knocked down once, obviously. I put a lot a lot of hurt in him. I didn't get hurt that bad, I got knocked out. You know, obviously, it's heavyweight boxing. One punch can change everything, you know what I mean? And that's it. You see, time and time again, guys are winning fight and they get they get stopped, but that's just what it is. It wasn't, like I said, if we had rounds and rounds where I was getting beat up for three or four rounds sustainable, then obviously I would take a long time off, but well, that wasn't the case, you know what I mean? And as you guys see, I was all right straight after. You know, I didn't get straight back in the training, the rest, the recover, leg give my body a bit of time to rest, and then now I'm back back training, you know. And as you can see, I'm good, still smiling, still happy, you know, ain't talking funny or anything, I'm all good, so we're good and we're ready to go again. After a defeat, we have seen, I think traditionally, and the majority of the time, uh, a fighter will look for excuses, and sometimes those excuses can come in terms of reshuffling the backroom team. From what we know, uh, you're sticking with what you had, which would be uh, Xavier Miller uh, with Dave Cogwell perhaps joining you later in camp. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's the plan, though. If everything's to go ahead, you know, I don't look for excuses. Listen, my coaching team did what they were supposed to do. They got me to the fight injury-free. They got me to the fight in shape. You know, we were boxing well, we were winning rounds, we were fighting one of the best... I fought in a long time, early doors, was making him miss. The punches that I usually land, I was making him miss. But, you know, sometimes, that's just how it goes sometimes, man. You know, it's boxing, you can win 12, you can win 11 and a half round, get stopped in the last 10 seconds. You know, that's just how boxing is, it's just, it's just what it is. So, the team's done a great job. They got me in a good place, you know, obviously. From what they got me from to what I was, you know, Saudi, I was like 20-something uh, stones. They got me down to 17 stone plus, you know what I mean? was happy, was bouncing around. I'm not going to know of a sudden just start discredit. Credit Juju Pavekian, fair play to him. He threw a good punch and it landed. Um, but what can I say? You know, I can't say anything apart from now we go into camp, we put it right, we come back again. I, be, I believe I beat Pavekian nine times out of ten. 
with so, like the ending as it was, um, what, I don't want you to sort of like give too much away technically, but what subtle changes can you make to guard against the shot that came through the middle, um, which he has knocked people out with in the past or certainly mm. hurt people with in the past? Mm. Just get on top of him and beat the heck out of him early <laughs> doors. <so laughs> just start bringing the pain from early, you know. But but let's see, you know, obviously, sometimes you buy into things, you say, oh, yeah, is this fat, is that fat, is this, is that. You get caught up into that in early doors, you're a bit more cautious than you usually are because of the occasion, the fight you're fighting and other things. But we've been in there, he knows me and I, know, and I know him now and he knows whenever I touch him, it's a problem. Do you think that you can knock him out this time? I know the law of averages would say that having had him down twice in the first fight, mm. that you have got the power to stop him. And although you didn't this time, do you believe that you can in the rematch? I believe I could have stopped him first time, and I believe even more now that so that I can stop him. But you know, obviously a tough guy, durable fighter, very very good technically as well, and he's he's tough as well. So obviously, but now I just know exactly what I need to do and all I need to go by. You know, obviously, first time I had an idea, now I know exactly what I need to do and all I need to go by it. Yeah. Uh, the WBC came out with one or two things. Um, your, your, sort of your situation in the heavyweight picture, on the face of it, hasn't changed mm. too much. Is that the way you, that you look at it, that a win against Povetkin puts you back to where you were? 100%, 100%. Why should it be anything different? It's not like he's fighting someone else, they're fighting me. No, we're going straight back in within the space of a few months. And that's it, it changes nothing. If you were still in for a while yet, so still the same place, still the same position, we just a little slip up in the middle and we're, and we're about to sort it right out now. So you should, after I get past Povetkin, then everything should still be back on course. Deontay Wilder and Fury seems, still seems very much up in the air. So do you think that your name could enter that picture? Man, I don't know. Right now, I just got to focus on that and Povetkin, give him the full respect that he deserves. My team's doing with it behind the scenes. They're doing are the right things for me, you know, but if I don't win, then it doesn't matter. So I'm just focused on winning this fight. You know, I'm not looking like, oh, this, this, that, the other. I, mean, I never do, even before the last fight, I said the same thing. I didn't yeah, say, that was us I didn't that say, narrative. oh, yeah, you, you guys are putting on me, and I was saying, listen, I'm focused on the fight because it's a dangerous fight. And usually the last hurdle is usually the hardest one. So, you know what I mean? Um, you know, I'm just focused on this fight, you know, and um, get the job done, deal with the job in good fashion. And this time, you know, it's, it's going to be a different fight this time, completely different fight. No, it's not your business, but it's always good to get another opinion. Um, Wilder looks like he's dropped Mark Breland from his team, which raised a few eyebrows on uh, online. You got any opinion on that? I think it's the worst mistake he's ever made because Mark Breland's the only person in his team that's actually was a boxer and actually was a world champion. It was the only person that didn't care about money and fame. Someone who actually was acting from an emotional point, someone who understands what I feel like someone was thinking about his health and did the right thing, in my opinion, from the toweling because it could have got seriously hurt. He was getting hit with punches that wasn't knocking him out that was concussing him. And, but anyway, Mark Breland knows what it's like because Mark Breland's been in the same position while I was in. You know, he'd been in the same position. So he knows he's someone that cares about the, the athlete and the boxing side of things, not just, ah, oh, yeah, bomb squad, bomb squad nonsense. He don't care about that. You see, he's the only one in the team. You don't see him running around and shouting and screaming. He's just a little quiet guy, does his job. He's the only person that really cares about the Entewala. The Entewala is an idiot. He clearly can't see that. So, you know, he wants hype man around him that will leave him in there to get him killed. So, good luck to him. It's his team. He do whatever he want. But I think it's a bad mistake. Mark Breland's the only one that actually knows boxing in his team. None of them, are, none of them ain't got no credibility to be boxing coaches. Last one before I let you go, just to finish on yourself. Mentally, I don't think I've ever seen you in such a positive frame of mind, and I include after some wins, like in, you mentioned the dark places mm. that Saudi took you, and uh, after the Rivas fight, mm. those were two victories. 
this is coming off of a defeat, but I don't think I've ever seen you in such a positive place. What is taking you to this mental state? Because I know what I can do. I know what I'm capable of, you know, obviously now. I went into those fights, like, not even focused at all. Those, those fights, Revis and um, the fights after, well, when those fights, not focused. I was just boxing those fights on autopilot. I was boxing and I still win. You know, obviously this fight, I was, I was in a good place. I was training, coming well, I was fighting well, and I just got caught. So for me, it's just like, nothing has changed. I'm still the same person. I'd have got beat up one, two, three, four rounds and got stopped badly in the fifth. Then it'd have been like, ah, oh, you know what? I need to chill. I need to have a warm-up fight. I need to change the energy. No, I was controlling the fight. I was dropping with, with punches that wasn't even landing properly. I wasn't even connecting properly and I was dropping with the punches. You know, I, no, I, just, no, I just need to just be more patient, more, more together, more switched on, a bit more professional and just pick my shots better. And if I hit him properly with one of my punches properly, because I'm very heavy-handed and I can hit hard. If I hit with one of my punches properly, then it won't be getting up for sure. Danny Flexen here for Seconds Out. Delighted to be joined by Kez Ashvak. Unbeaten, super bantamweight. Hoping to maintain that record on Saturday night um, in Peterborough. Obviously, no fans in attendance, but big matchroom show on Sky Sports. How are you getting on? Great, yeah. Just uh, doing a little uh, shakeout in in the gym. Um, feeling great, feeling amazing. Weight's perfect. Ready to go out there and get the win Saturday night. And one of the interesting kind of subplots about this fight you're, you're taking on Mark Leach is the fact that you guys used to train in the same gym, have shared many sparring rounds together. Are you quite friendly, quite good friends? Yeah, like I say, obviously, there's no love loss in the, in the, in the ring. But, um, yeah, we're, we're not... We're, I wouldn't say we're very, very good friends. We call each other all the time or anything like that. But we're friends. Yeah, I've got no... But obviously, when you get in that ring, it's got to be different. You've got to go in there with a killer's mentality, like you say. And I'm, uh, that's exactly what I'm going to do on uh, on Saturday night. How much do you remember about those sparring sessions and how much, if anything, can you take from that? You know, it's a weird one because sparring, sparring, you can take a little bit from it maybe, but not. I wouldn't say you can take a huge, huge amount from it. On top of that, we probably sparred, I think, probably two years ago now. It was not like we sparred. And to be honest, in, in general, we probably sparred a handful of times. It wasn't even like we sparred like every camp or all that sort of stuff. A handful of times um, so yeah it was two years ago you can in my opinion I'm, I'm going in there and uh, I've still got to work him out in the ring and I'm not taking too much from the spars but I've, got, I've, I've taken what I need to and uh, yeah I'm looking forward to it you're rated as one of the top fighters uh, in the UK at your weight he's more used to fighting down at Bantam but again probably a top five fighter in the UK at his weight as well he's stepping up in weight for this do you think size will be a factor, or is it more just the pedigree and the extra and the better skill set? Um, see, sometimes what people forget is fighting someone smaller and, and lighter can be a bit more awkward. And uh, he's a very awkward fighter anyway, um, as you've probably seen him seen in box before. He's uh, he's, he's the, sh the sharp counter type. Um, but yeah, like I say, it, it could make a difference. It could, it, and, and it also couldn't. But I think it's all about how I get my tactics right and. As long as I do that, God willing, I'll, I'll get the win Saturday and uh, do it in style. And this is, I think, three or four fights now where you've had really solid opposition domestically. Are you getting to a point now where you're thinking, how long is it going to be till I get a shot at English title, British title? Because it, it looks like you should be there. 
Yeah, like I say, this is a British title eliminator. Uh, and the whole point for, of this fight is to get in contention and get hold of that British title eventually. And uh, that's definitely the plan. Um, but like I said, I'm, I've, I'm, I've been taking fights. We're not, I'm, not, I'm not scared to take fights, as you've seen for the last two, three, four fights. Exactly. And uh, as, long as, as long as I keep winning, I, I believe I can be not just the best in Britain, but the best in the world. The British champion, you talked about being eliminated for that title. Current British champions, Brad Foster, of course. He's with Frank Warren. You're with Matchroom. Does that make it more difficult? Is that why you need to get in that mandatory position so it forces the fight? Yeah, definitely. Because otherwise, maybe I could have, like, if I, if we were both on the same promotional team, potentially we could have had the fight on already um, without these eliminators. But, you know, there's little rumours about, obviously, uh, Eddie and Frank talking a, bit, a little bit now as well. Let, let's hope then they have a good dinner. The food, the food's right. The food's not off and... Uh, they got to get off on the right foot. <laughs> yeah, fingers crossed. How have you compared your kind of pro journey so far to your experience in the amateurs? Because you were, what, European silver, Commonwealth silver, Olympian, ABA champion. I mean, a list of accolades is almost endless. How, how do you compare what you've done as a pro so far? Are you approaching the level you compete at as an amateur yet? Yeah, see, so what people have, people have to remember, being an Olympian, um, all those Olympians we are pushed pretty fast uh, in terms of levels because we have the pedigree um, so we're kind of at times learning on the job um, where for example a lot of fighters these days 15, 20 fights they'll fight nobodies and they'll, they'll, they'll learn the trade a little bit more but yeah we do get a rush a little bit more than well probably a lot more than, than, than most fighters but we have the pedigree and uh, in terms of the I feel like now I'm, I'm starting to become that, that solid uh, pro it took a little bit of time because like I said I've been learning on the job I've been taking big fights anyway but now I do feel like I'm finally getting a, in, into a position where I'm feeling like a good solid pro and that's what I'm looking forward to showing uh, on Saturday One of the things presumably you hope will continue that development is the recent change in training team you were um, with yeah. Kelvin Travis of course in that gym with uh, Jamie Moore Nigel Travis etc previously you're now working with Angel Fernandez in Loughborough incredible facilities there I've been there a number of times what what provoked the change what what made you take that decision earlier this year um I just felt personally like I needed the change um another thing that I've changed my management team which should be announced at some point soon um but yeah I just needed the change and I feel it I feel more fresh now I feel like the difference in training and the different things that I'm doing now will are developing me in leaps and bounds and uh like I say I'm just looking forward to showing that Saturday night but and getting a good convincing uh, win on, on, on Saturday in, in style. What is it about Angel's approach that has kind of freshened things up a bit? What what does he focus on that maybe you weren't doing as much of before? Um, it's, he's quite very technical in many ways and he's, he's very versatile in the sense where he's not your typical British or your typical American, typical Mexican style. He, he likes to take everything from all different schools of boxing and uh, put them all in one and uh, come up with his own little uh, little complexion, you know what I mean? So it helps, in my opinion, and from what I'm learning, he's very, he's a good thing, another good thing about Angel, he's very willing to learn. Um, so it's not like, you've got to do it that way, there's nothing else. He's always ready to uh, take on um, any advice or anything like that. And that, I believe, is something that makes him the coach that he is. And uh, yeah, I'm having a great time with Angel now and I'm, and I'm feeling, feeling, feeling amazing. Uh, he was part of um, Anthony Joshua's training team for his last fight. Is there, I don't know if that's going to be renewed for the Pulev fight. Last time I spoke to Angel, he seemed to think it would be. But 
would there be an opportunity there potentially for you to go and train back at the GB base for a little bit, some days or whatever? Yeah, so obviously Angel is still part of the AJ team. Um, he's been obviously doing work with with uh, AJ quite a lot in the past couple of months as well. Um, and right now it's a bit hard work to go, to go and train in Sheffield. There's obviously the, what's the word, the doors are open for me anyway. Um, if I want to go train with Angel there and with while AJ is and all that sort of stuff. But obviously, it's a, bit, it's a bit tough right now with the COVID situation, and obviously, Team GB they're also being very wary of who's letting in and out of the gym. Um, not that they wouldn't let me in, but for that reason, I've kind of held back. And just because they did, they're doing the right thing for the fighters, you'd, you'd rather have less bodies in the gym, which makes it less chance of uh, catching COVID than uh, you know letting anyone in the gym and just you know taking the risk. Now you were a long-time amateur on the GB team, so you didn't have that pressure of selling tickets and that kind of thing that comes with amateurs who fight predominantly on club shows. But now you've adapted to be a, a bit of a fan favourite as a pro. Just for people out there, especially young amateurs who, who are going to break into the pro game, how have you managed to build that fan base? Um, like I said, I was lucky because of boxing huge tournaments like the European Games, Commonwealth Games, Olympic Games, and that built a bit of a name for myself. Um, but in terms of tickets wise it's it's a tough it's a tough slog at first I'm not going to lie it's, it, it will be but the more you win the more you perform the more people that get set their eyes on you it's a like what they see I'm sure they'll start they'll start supporting and especially in your local communities that's that's your fan base that's what you've got to remember you could go all around the world but your local community the people that you see every day the barbers that you go to wave if anything wherever, wherever you go you might go to food places Promote yourself and uh, don't be afraid to wear your own badges and logos and stuff as well. And uh, like I said, sit tickets can be hard work, but little small things can make the difference, like logos. Simple as that. You can wear a logo and look, someone look at oh, what's that? Or you can put your Instagram on, 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 on the back of your top and they'll look at it and they'll have a look and think, you know what? I'll follow this guy and, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll follow him closely. So he's from around the corner from, from, from where I live and it's great to see someone from... Like, People love seeing people from their own area doing well. And it's, uh, it's a simple way of that. With social media, because you've mentioned Instagram, do you notice a difference in terms of how prominent you are on a show compared to how many extra kind of followers or engagement you get? So if you're on, say, a Facebook portion of the card compared to a regular Sky Sports card or a Chief Support or whatever, is there a difference? Yeah, I believe there can be, yeah. And it just shows when you see the... Um, uh, the social media superstars are getting fights these days on top and topping bills. You know what I mean? But no, definitely, I believe it does make a difference because that's also again it's following, um, and the chances are if you've got uh, higher followers on Instagram, then you're going to sell more tickets, and and it's, it does make a difference. But you've got to be patient with it, and like I say, it does take a bit of time. But if you're patient, if it, uh, good things come to those who wait. Who do you look at? Because you're fighting at a high level yourself or an even higher level previously as an amateur. But who do you still look at currently in the sport as kind of role models, people to look up to, people to take things from? In terms of fighters, I've always loved watching Lomachenko. And that's probably something you get a lot. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, yeah, Lomachenko. I've always liked the whole, the Mayweather style. Because um, my, my favourite fighters overall. Um, I've always been like Sugar Ray Leonard, Pernell Whitaker, Roy Jones Jr., They've been the sort of fighters that I've always loved. And obviously, Mayweather comes in with that. But Lomachenko is a very different twist. Same thoughts, same idea, hit, don't get it, but such a different twist. And that's what I love about Lomachenko. 
And just before we let you go, we, we've talked obviously about social media, but for anyone who's not already on the bus, as it were, tell them how they can find you on the different platforms. Yeah, so Instagram and Twitter is uh, at Kez, Q-A-I-S underscore Ashfaq, A-S-H-F-A-Q. Um, and that's, it. That's, that's Instagram and Twitter. And Facebook, search my name. You'll see a K-E-double-Z in between my first and second name. That's just so you can say it right. <laughs> how, how, what's the worst you've ever heard it pronounced? You know what? Over the years, as you can imagine, both in different countries, I've heard stuff like Quay, Key. Yeah, I've heard also, I've heard Cash earlier as well. I've heard Cash, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, yeah. Good stuff. Well, I'm glad we got it right. Because <laughs> that could be awkward. Um, no, really appreciate your time. Really looking forward to the fight. Thank you very much, Danny. It's the highlight. Thank you very much. And, um, well, due, due respect to uh, Rankin and Marshall as well. But, yeah, highlight. Yeah. The card, let's say. <laughs> yeah, Thank you very luck, much. And uh, we'll speak again soon. Cheers, man. Thank you very much. Top man. Thanks, God bless. Bye. Yeah, This is Andy Puroa for Boxing Social in association with Betfred. I'm delighted to be joined by Jack Catrell over Zoom. Jack, first and foremost, how you been keeping? Yeah, very well, thank you, very well. I was just about to say things are starting to get back to normal, but I don't watch the news anymore, but I guess whatever's been announced tonight, it's all gone mad again, hasn't it? Yeah, <laughs> the news today certainly sent uh, everybody crazy. Um, but we get on and we move on. Uh, Let's get into the boxing talk. Jackie's obviously come out today, well, not today, come out a couple of days ago, that you'll be stepping aside to allow Josh Taylor and Jose Ramirez to contest an undisputed clash. First and most obvious question, Jack, how come you've decided to do so? Yeah, it wasn't an easy decision. Uh, over the last couple of months, there's, there's been talks uh, with the management team, MTK, uh, top rank with WBO, and it's been going on and on. But I guess from, from their point of view, it's a massive fight, undisputed, all four belts, uh, two unbeaten fighters. And the deal was made that if I allow that fight to go ahead, I'd be guaranteed the winner in the new year. Uh, possibly fighting in December, just waiting for that to be confirmed. And then we look to, to go for the winner, hopefully not too far into 21. And there's talks of them two fighting January, February, possibly. So, uh, Hopefully by springtime next year, I can get my crack them. How confident are you that, provided obviously the Taylor Ramirez fight goes ahead, Jack, that you will end up facing the winner and the winner doesn't vacate to look to move up or move on to pastures new? I don't, this is kind of the conversations that have been going on, but I guess nothing's guaranteed in boxing. Uh, it's been talked about for weeks and weeks. What if the winner wants to go up, vacate, fight Crawford, this, that, the other... I mean, you can you can think of so many different situations on how it's going to unfold. Is there going to be other managers? Is there going to be this? But I've been told to rest assured that <clears throat> by allowing them to fight, I will get a crack at the winner. So hopefully everybody sticks to the word and in the new year I will get my chance. 
Just on the thought itself, Jack, what do you make of it when he is kind of announced, provided he does get announced, what do you make of Josh Taylor versus Jose Ramirez? I think it's a brilliant fight. I mean, obviously, the two top fighters in the division, all four belts. I'm excited to watch it as a fan. Uh, obviously, I'll be watching it with a different interest as well, but uh, just going off past performances, I think Taylor's probably a level above Ramirez. Uh, I mean, I've, wa I've watched all the fights. We couldn't really take much from, from Taylor's last performance. He got him out of there relatively quick. Uh, she, she couldn't take a lot. Obviously, wanted to show what he'd been working on and improving on. I guess we all wanted to see how that fight was going to go unfold, but it was done quite soon. And we watched uh, Ramirez Postal, been watching that fight. And I just, if I were to put a bet on, I'd go Josh Taylor. And as a selfish point of view, I do hope Taylor wins. Uh, that would line up nicely for a big UK fight in 21. What do you feel are, if, if there are any in your eyes, um, the benefits of you stepping aside and waiting, say, another potentially eight to ten months until you get your own crack at the titles? Yeah, I mean, we're closing in on Christmas now. Uh, I'm pretty sure that they're going to fight January in the next couple of months, and then probably a couple of months after that, I'll get the shot. But, I mean, I'm only 27. I've been in the gym. I've been sparring at a high level, and I'm always learning. I'm feeling better every day. So, I think there's never an ideal scenario, an ideal situation. I'm working with what I've got at the moment, uh, which is to fight December and... Uh, push on in the new year and, and secure these world title fights. This I can imagine obviously it's going to be a prolonged frustrated period for yourself on the back of having COVID and not being able to get out and now you're going to be waiting a bit longer till you have a date announced. But with regards to opponents, how are you looking to play this current situation? Are you looking for fighters who will be challenging you who are world level? Are you looking for people who just below that so the risk isn't as big because obviously one loss is all it takes to kind of take you out of the position you are in currently. How do you actually look to play the current situation you are in with regards to your next fight? Uh, listen, it's always a catch-22. Do you risk fighting somebody of a level where there is that chance of getting beaten and spoiling the plans for next year? But... Uh, Ultimately, I'll leave that down to, to Jamie and the management. I'll fight anybody. I always have and I always will. I know Bob Arum tweeted uh, last week that he'd offer a ton of money to fight uh, Zepeda. I mean, it's, it's a difficult one. Do you go into the, these like fringe-level world title fights before your world title and prove, prove your level? Or do you, uh, do you take a fight that's not of that calibre, possibly make a nightmare of it, and then... And everyone's writing you off before you go into the big fight. It's one of them. I mean, I've been training hard. I will be ready for anybody. The Sapita fights, if they offer the right money for that fight, that fight can happen. Uh, I'm open to fighting anybody. So, you know, mentioning Zapida there, his victory over Baron Chicken was an absolute war of a fight. Um, certainly one which I don't think many will forget for the years to come. Just touch on that. What, what were your thoughts on it? You know what? I've not watched the full fight back yet. I've seen the highlights of all the knockdowns. I've watched Zapida in his previous fights and obviously we've seen Branovic in the Super Series. But, I mean, from the highlights, what I've seen, what a brilliant fight. I mean, them type of fights with these type of fighters, that's what gets me excited. I don't get excited for the fights, probably a few fights I've had in the past. I mean, I've beat a lot of domestic names and there's been fights in between the, but I've probably not been able to get up for them. But, I mean, once you put somebody's name on the table like a Zapida, a Branovic, a Progre, Booker, these are the type of fights now that I'm excited to get stuck into.
So I'm about to say, you know, do you feel that we would see the best version of yourself against somebody like a Zabido? You know, he's going to be in all action fires coming to coming for war. But with your own skill set, do you feel that we would see the best of yourself? Without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, I feel like a lot of the fights that I've had in the past have probably coasted through them. I'm not going to second or third gear, but I mean, against the, I've I've done it inspiring, and I know trained and sparred at a high level. It's it's time to step out now and show people what I can really do. And I think you put me in the ring with a Josh Taylor, a Ramirez, as a Peter, and it's really going to make me raise my game and show you what I can do. Jack, I put your thoughts are kind of a couple of fights before I do. Obviously, leave you two enjoy the rest of your night. It's very late now. Um, Luce Ritson fights this coming weekend against Miguel Vasquez. Just touch on that one for me, Jack. What do you make of it, and how do you see it playing out? Yeah, I think it's a good fight for Ritson. Uh, you know, Vasquez have had, has had a couple of losses in the last couple of years. Uh, it's, it's like a gatekeeping emulator. I think it's, a, it's probably a good fight for Ritson. Uh, I hope Ritson does well. Always back your own. He's a UK fighter. Uh, hopefully Ritson can come through that and then put yourself in, in them world type positions. And Again, that's probably a future fight down the line against Ritson. So I hope he can come through it. Just to follow on from Lewis, um, we've seen Eddie Hearn tweet, we've seen Regis put a couple of things out as well. The potential for uh, Lewis to face Regis Progre uh, in the coming months, provided obviously I imagine he's successful against Vasquez. Do you think Ritson would fare well against somebody like Regis? Couldn't, couldn't really tell you. I mean, I've, I've probably seen Ritson fight in the past. I don't know how he's been performing. I mean, we'll have to see how he gets on against Vasquez. Uh, certainly won't be a pushover fight for him. That'll really hopefully show him a, a test and then we'll go from there. But really, I hope, I hope he can go on and, like I said, move towards them bigger fights. Jack, you've also got a huge undisputed lightweight total fight. Um, sorry, yeah, lightweight total fight coming um, this weekend with Vasil Lomachenko and Teofimo Lopez. Uh, Jack, just talk to me about that one. Just give me a brief breakdown and how do you actually see that bout playing out? Well, I can't break it down for you. What an interesting fight, though. I keep changing my mind week to week. Uh, you'll have to speak to somebody with a bit more, a bit more in-depth knowledge. But I'm just excited as a fan to watch that fight. I really can't pick a winner, so I'll be on the edge of my seat watching it. Jack, I appreciate your time tonight. As I said, I know it's very late, so we'll leave you down to enjoy it. But final thing for everybody who's obviously a follower of your career, everybody who's supported you up and down the country when you fought, what would you like to say to them as they wait to see you back in the ring? Yeah, fingers crossed, management working on a fight for December. I'll be back in the ring and uh, we go for a big 21 and we, we fight for the world titles and thank you for the continued support. Before I do let you go, in fact, uh, just get your thoughts on your your campmate, Mark Leach. He's going in with Kez Ashback on Saturday night. Mark said, and Jamie said, that they've just been waiting for the right opportunity for so long. You've seen Mark in camp. What should we be prepared to see from him on Saturday? I think it's a great fight. I mean, we know the history. Kez used to train with Nigel Travis's dad in the same gym. They've probably sparred hundreds of rounds together. Uh, and Mark's kind of been waiting for this opportunity to come round. So uh, I really hope he does well in the fight. Again, Kez is a lovely kid. We've got a lot of time for both of them. So it'd be sad to see a loser, but ultimately somebody's got to win. So uh, hopefully Mark can, uh, can produce the goods. And this is his breakthrough fight. So he needs this to go and push on to British title fights and, and further. So I think the fight in itself, it would be a real chess match. I've, probably, I've moved 
they were in the room with both of them myself, so I know what they're both like. Uh, switch hitters, Kez Serpo, very technical, very skillful. Again, we mark switch hitter, all the skills in the world to match, so uh, be a really exciting fight. Is it a hard one for you to kind of to see for yourself, knowing that a, a former campmate of yours and obviously a current campmate of yours stepping into the ring together? No, not at all. This is it's boxing, isn't it? So uh, I think they, they both know that it's nothing personal. Uh, they're both on the same journey. They both want to achieve great things. So, I mean, is that the fights that's been proposed? They both accepted it. So they both know it's on now. So no, I'm excited for both. I mean, hopefully... Whoever loses, they can rebuild, but the winner gets to push on to, to bigger and better fights. Jack, it's been a pleasure to catch up with you tonight. I will leave you now to enjoy the rest of your evening. Thank you for your time and thank you for speaking to Boxing Social. Top man, thank you. Ebony, welcome to the show. Brilliant to see you again. A few weeks since we've last talked, and how much has yeah. changed? So yeah, a lot has changed. It's, yeah, it's been pretty intense. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. The stuff uh, was going on, and yeah, I'm pumped. <laughs> yeah. So, so obviously, when we last spoke a few weeks ago, you were saying how much you'd love to come and fight in the UK. You'd love to yeah. get in the UK, and that that would be, you know, in itself would be enough. And you didn't see anything particularly on the horizon. Um, no. You know. Then all of a sudden, boom, here we are, November the 14th, um, in the Matchroom Fight Camp, you're fighting for the WBA Bantamweight World Title against Rachel Ball. So you've got the UK fight, you've got the World <laughs> Title, you've got everything. I mean, just tell us how that came about. How much, when did you find out and how much of a shock was it to you? So I've been actually like in negotiations for quite a while here in Australia mm -hmm. to fight for the WBA title. I was yeah. in the rankings, I'm in the rankings, um, and like, save a long story short, I fell through, um, not on my behalf, but um, yeah, just fell through, and um, my manager had contacts with Eddie, and um, Eddie pretty much said, hey, um, reached out and was like, hey, would you want to fight Rachel Ball for yeah. the WBA title, you know, like, um, we're, you know, obviously I'm bantamweight, I always fight bantamweight, and I think Rachel's always said she wanted to come down to band and weight um she felt pretty comfortable at super so yeah and obviously um knowing that i i suppose i have a big fan base over there it just kind of made sense and i'm you know yeah so i mean it's probably the best outcome for me um like i like you said like i i would i just wanted to fight in in the uk i was just happy to fight in the uk i wanted to just fight there you know so for me to be able to now come over and actually fight for the world title um is pretty epic you know it's it's pretty pretty unreal 
there's a few things I'd like to pull apart about this fight, Ebony. I'd like you to help me with that. I mean, yeah. I'm looking at it first of all from a from, from a bookie's perspective. Let's look at the stats. And let's yeah. look, I mean, you, you're obviously 4-0. Um, yeah. You've 14 professional rounds. You've had two stoppages in those four fights. Um, you know, Rachel is six and one. Um, she she hasn't had any stoppages, but she's been eight rounds twice and she's been 10 rounds once. Now, this fight is set over 10 rounds. Do you feel, how do you feel about your longevity over 10? You know, I mean, you've already said you don't think it's going to go 10, but you know you've got to prep for 10. So how are you feeling about going into, you know, it's going to be uncharted territory after six for you. You've yeah. only been six once. So how are you feeling about the distance of the fight? Well, you train for the fight you're training for. Like, you know, I don't fight... I train for 10 rounds, you know what I mean? Um, there's plenty of fighters out there that, that, you know, like Tyson or, you know, like like Enzo Mack, who, like, you know, their first however many fights finished in the first couple of rounds, you know what I mean? Like, it's, you know, you have so many fights finishing them all, like, you know, going past three or four rounds, you know, and then, you know, um, you do those long rounds. And it always is a question, 100% it is a question, but I have full confidence in my training, Um you know, like I'm sparring around, you know, like I'm not going to go into what I'm doing with my spar with my training, but I'm well confident. I feel, I feel like fit as right now. Um, you know, I feel like um, it would just come down to really on the night, the, the, um, how I, how I handle the night of the pressure of, of the fight, I think, um, you know, because I think that's the, that, that I haven't been in that situation before Rachel's been there on a big stage and stuff. So I think, um if anything you know that could be something it could be you know but I, I you know i'm pretty i'm pretty confident and um i know that this is what i'm kind of born for i told myself you know i know i'm born for this this is what i want to do this is this is what i work so hard towards doing um you know um so i'm pretty sure i embrace it like i embrace every opportunity and everything that comes my way you know and smash it <laughs> and if we, so, if we yeah we've got to give Rachel experience you know those 46 programs against your 14 programs across exactly, the yeah yeah definitely so we'll give her that but another big factor when you look at this and when you look at the box rec and you break it down is you're a bantamweight and you're fighting for yeah. the bantamweight world title I mean you know Rachel's been up to feather she's occasionally dropped to super bantam but she's never actually but this will be her first fight at bantamweight so, yeah, she's, she's uh, done like light, she's even done like lightweight and I think super light, <laughs> yeah, yeah. you know, so yeah, I mean, this is my natural weight, weight division, um, you know, I feel super strong at this weight, like so strong, yeah. you know, and I'm feeling extra strong at the moment, like, I mean, all what I've been doing over COVID and stuff like that, like, yeah, like, I mean, I, I have um, no, I have absolutely no, um, I don't know, insecurities in, in towards my conditioning and, and how that this is my this is my division. Yeah. You know, um, I'm confident. I know I've been there. I know how I feel at that weight. Um, and like I said, it's only it's only better now. And I like longer rounds. To be honest, when I'm sparring, I really I, I I'm only really warming up in the three fourth round now. That's when I start kicking in. And yeah. I'm a real and I'm I'm one of those people that even in the amateurs, like my last round was always the best. Like I'm one of those people that it's the last rounds that are my best rounds because that's when I'm digging deep, you know, and, I, and that's when I really come alive. Um, so, and I, I love, like, you know, I'd like to have the ring experience, you know, um, but at the same time, you know, I like to finish it, finish it early. I, I'm just, I'm super pumped about this. I honestly, I think ideally it would have been good to have an eight rounder or a six round, another six rounder first, but I'm telling you, like, I probably would have stopped that early too. You know what I mean? Like, just because that distance doesn't mean they're going to go that far, you know. Um, I know what I'm doing in sparring, and, I mean, if I can bring that to 
to the fight, then yeah, I mean, she's going to be in trouble. And how do you see the styles change? Because obviously we see you as quite an aggressive fighter. We see that yeah. Bob Eve style come in, you know, and, and like I say, you've got that sort of 50% knockout ratio anyway. So you'll be looking, and you've already said you'll be looking for that stoppage. You know, Rachel has obviously just come off that big win against Shannon Courtney, which has catapulted yeah. maybe into this position. Shannon's quite an aggressive fighter as well. She dealt yeah. with it quite well. And Rachel, although we said, like I said, this is not going to be her natural weight, she's quite long, you know. Yeah. So, so how do you see the two styles playing out in that fight? Do you think Rachel will keep it long and you'll be trying to get in and aggressive? you see a more sort of Ali Fraser style or how do you see it playing? I, I think she would be silly to sleep with me and trade. To be, I hope she does. I love yeah. that. But um, I, I, I don't think she will. Um, like, what I, you know, use that reach, I suppose, you know. Um, but I'm really good at cutting in. Like, I mean, I mean I'm, I've been spending nine months, like, however, what month are we in? This whole COVID since my last fight perfecting my my um coming in my inside game and and you know um cutting you know cutting inside cutting the ring off um because that's the style of my fighting as well and for me with someone so tall um especially her height like she's extra tall it's going to be even easier for me to roll under a puncher she's punching down you know what i mean like mm -hmm. i find like it's going to be she's not she's at a height where yeah okay some things you could think that it would be hard but there's a lot of advantages to it for me as well with my fight style. Um, because I'm not a kind of boxer, boxer, um, like even Shannon, like she's aggressive, but she likes to go in and out a lot. You know what I mean? Like I don't really like to do that. Um, and I think it's a problem coming in and out. If you're not really very good at that, that's when you're going to get clipped by someone like Rachel Ball. Mm -hmm. You know, so. And can you tell us a bit more about now? Going into this fight, this is what you'll need to eliminate us about and what your what you, what the contract says and everything else. Now, we're expecting it to be behind closed doors because they're starting yeah. to come down more and more on COVID over here. Obviously, Eddie had, he had that fantastic summer fight camp, um, you know, in the back garden, the matchroom fight camp, you know, which was a huge success with his behind last behind closed door venture. And that was running for four weekends. Now, it's down as matchroom fight camp. Have you been told where it's going to be, if it's definitely going to be behind closed doors? And have you got to come into quarantine um, in a bubble before that. I mean, what what sort of um, what have they written down in the contract for you? What what do you expect to happen when you come into this camp? Yeah, I know it's in London, um, and uh, I know where it is, but I don't really know how, how what I'm supposed to say. Like, if he hasn't announced it, then it's not really up to me. So, um, assume it's, know, not it's in his garden. So, <laughs> yeah, it's not in his garden. Um, I, I'm going to Philly on Saturday, so I fly out to Philadelphia. So I'll be in America first to finish my camp for three weeks over there with my American team, um, just for the quality sparring and um, just being able to focus just on my on on the fight. Um, it's really hard here, even the last two weeks. Like it's like literally just running around. Like it's, it's impossible to avoid things here, and I just want to focus on the fight. Um, so that's what I'll go to out to Philly, and um, then I fly from Philly to the UK seven days out. And we all, I think, I'm pretty sure everyone has to go into the bubble. Like, whoever's fighting and whoever's involved yeah. has to go into the bubble. And not just because I'm coming from the US. So, yeah, um, yeah I think that's going to be all those little things. Um, you know, they're all, I think, like, I'm going to have to really be quite uh, strong-minded strong or, or just be able to be able to go with things. Because it's going to be, there's a lot of, still a lot of uncertainties. You know, Rachel lives in the UK. It's a little bit, I think it's going to be that part of things going to be much easier. You know, even just me trying to get out of Australia was a headache. Like, I mean, what I've been going through trying to get out of Australia with the exemptions was full on. So yeah. it's it's been a, it's it's hard. You know, it's not easy. It's not an easy venture for me to get over there. Um, there's a lot of you know, even from me coming straight from Australia to the UK, um, that's a 26, 27 hour flight. I wasn't going to do that a week out of my fight. 
Yeah. You know, and I'm not going to then fly over there as well for my camp over there when it's uh, I'm unfamiliar. I don't know anyone. Like, I mean, I, how do I trust over there to do my camp? Like, can I find sparring? Is there anyone's going to take me here and there? So it wasn't really ideal for me to come and do my camp there um, with the situation. I mean, yeah. if it was a better situation, I probably could have figured it um, figured it out to be in UK, which would have probably been more ideal. But even just going to Philly, I mean, it's good for me. It's only like six hours in a flight. You know, it's a couple hour difference. It's not, it's not really that big as it would be if I was coming straight from Australia. Um, so I think it's a much better option. Um, yeah. But again, it's still a lot of traveling. So, you know, but I don't make excuses. I'll come in there and I'm going to fight and it's going to be exciting. Yeah. Make a pay for it. One day maybe stuff <laughs> could be your camp. This is always at your disposal. I should have said that well, before. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be shit. I think, you know what, ideally, ideally I would have loved to come to the UK as like a trip and sussed out places, sussed out gym, you know, made those networks, um, met people that I could trust, you know, because the last thing you want to do, like, a, you know, it's, and it sounds silly to say, but you also don't want to be too skeptic. I'm coming, I'm the foreigner coming to another country, coming to another gym. How do I know what's being said? And, you know, like, it's just, yeah. it's such a big fight. I don't want to take those kind of risks. I'd rather be. Do you know? Do you know the gym in Philly you're going to? Is that is that from? Yeah, I do, yeah. I, I, that's where I did my last camp for America. Right. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So I'll be yeah. training out there with Danny Davis. I'll be with him for a couple of weeks, and then we'll fly. My coach will fly from Australia to the straight to the UK a week out. Yeah. Well, maybe we can get some updates from there. Yeah, you? definitely. Yeah. I'll be busy there because because I'll literally be training and resting. You know, like I don't have anything. I don't have to run around. You know, it'll be it'll be awesome. So yeah. I'm really, really looking forward to that. Yeah. And my manager, um, Brian, he's he's unreal. You know, um, he has a setup at his house for his fighters. And, yeah, he's just, he's he's unreal. So I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. And obviously Rachel's been through this bubble and this strange experience once before. Yeah. enough, when I heard her talk, she was saying she felt that she was going to someone else's territory because obviously when she fought Shannon. At, uh, yeah, Matt, true, true. Shannon was the favourite, you know, so she felt that. Yeah, that so a, she knows, yeah. Yeah, I mean, me and Rachel are good friends. Everyone knows that <laughs> we're good mates. So, um, you know, um, it's uh, and again, like I'm, you know, I'm, I'm pretty pumped about being able to share share a ring with someone I really do respect. And um, and I think um, in a way, that's on her side, knowing me because she's the only one that's probably not going to underestimate me. You know what I mean? So, um, she, you know, if she didn't know me, she would probably underestimate me like everyone else. So that would be really a, a bad thing on her part. Um, but I think, um, you know, I sent, I, I sent her a message before when we realised that it was all signed and that, and I just said, hey, like, looks like I'm coming to the UK, you know, I'm going to meet you, send a ring, you know, pumped, you know, it was just funny that we are talking about an interview recently saying if we ever fought each other, blah, blah, um, you know, I just said, you know, best wishes for your camp, you know, I hope it all goes good, I'm looking forward to sharing the ring with you, and made the best girl win, you know. And everybody, so, I know, I've seen you two chat, and you obviously get on very well. You know, you're both, and you're both really nice people. You both come across brilliantly. Have you ever actually met her in the flesh? No, I haven't. I've never been to the UK. I just, yeah, so the first to actually meet this person, you get on with well, and you and, you, and you've got a bit of a relationship. I suppose it would be the way in. Yeah. Yeah, the way in. Yeah, true. It'll be the way in. She gets to see me in my nice lingerie. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> No, yeah, true. You know, I'm I'm pumped for the whole thing. I'm pumped for. I'm excited yeah. for the whole thing. I got I got itchy knuckles like they're sore as well. I got itchy knuckles. I can't wait to punch someone with them little gloves on and no headgear, man. I, I'm I'm pumped, you know. So that's um everything about this is exciting for me. Um, I love embracing that the big stage. I'm you know I'm I'm made for that shit. Like you know that's why I'm coming over there. That's why you know it's happened so fast for me because it's my destiny. So I mean I'm gonna embrace it and um and I'm gonna show everyone. Blom Bomber. Fantastic. And that's what I'm excited about.
you've got such a follower over here as well. You know, I mean, I'm sure it's going to be. It's going I know. To be, like, and I'm, and I'm, I'm spewing like that um, there's not going to be no crowds and stuff in the situation. But, you know, I look forward to bringing the belt back for defence, you but, know, and then hopefully there'll be some crowds. Yeah, yeah. Well, look, we're, really, we're hugely looking forward to having it. And I hope we can get some updates from the Philly camp. And yeah, the for sure. From the bubble, you know, I mean, just so, just so we can follow you in through this fight. And, you know, I mean, it's great to see you in such a great place, you know, waiting yeah. and, uh, and yeah, just yeah. out there. Oh, I'm pumped, yeah. I'm really, I am really, really excited. And, and no matter what, it's going to be an exciting fight. Me and Rachel are both tough fighters. You yeah. know, both, both very tough. So um, I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I think it's going to be explosive. I mean, you both predicted knockouts. You know what I mean? Behind I those you both predicted knockouts. So I think it's going to be an explosive fight. It's going to be a great fight for women's boxing. And it's just going to carry on this fantastic run we've had. Yeah, I, I think it's been more, I think this fight's been more talk more talk on the boxing than um than the main event and the other ones you know um yeah. and that's what it's about you know that's 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 what we want to do we want to get the talk we want to get the eyes in on the boxing and the women's boxing that's what we want exactly. and i'm looking forward to being part of it it's so great that we exactly that we were talking about this we've been talking about the yeah. in women's boxing the rise of women's boxing what a great run we're having in the uk and i could kind of see you were sitting outside of it thinking i just want to be part of it and now yeah. you're right Here in the middle it couldn't and be a big mistake. You work yeah. hard and you get it. That's it. Yeah. Well, that's brilliant, Emily. Well, look, thanks very much for joining us. And thanks, really Steve, John. See you in the run-up, and I really can't wait for the fight. Thanks ever so much. Uh, I appreciate it. Cheers. Cheers. Thanks. All right. Hey, guys, watch me in action on November the 14th on Sky Sports, taking on Rachel Bohr in your hometown in the UK. I cannot wait to get over there going to be exciting. Make sure you tune in. You won't want to blink.